Hello, everyone. This is Jacqueline Lowe at Grace That Reigns. Welcome to the Electric Eel Series. We created our summer series of podcasts to give you a spiritual jolt out of your everyday life to help you to focus on the wonder of God and the wonder of the moment during these very trying times. Sometimes, wonder needs a jolt. Today, our special guest is Claire Dwyer. Claire works for the Avalet Foundation as editor and contributor of their website, spiritualdirection.com. Her work is also featured on various Catholic sites, including catholicmom.com, endowgroups.org, and the National Catholic Register. Her own blog is called eventhesparrow.com. She speaks frequently on the topics of saints, spirituality, respect for life, and the mission and vocation of women in the church today. So here we have Claire Dwyer. Hello, this is Jacqueline Lowe at Grace That Reigns. We have here Claire Dwyer. Hello, Claire. Jacqueline, it is so good to be here. How are you? I'm doing well, Claire. And I'm really grateful that the saints have allowed us to come together tonight. That is right. There's been a few obstacles in the way, but this is the perfect time because we know God's worked all things together for good. So, That is right. So let us begin. Claire, can you tell me more about your ministry focus and how God has chosen you to serve? Well, I do a little bit of everything, I think. Honestly, my primary ministry is my vocation. So I have a house full, um, especially as we speak, we're in the middle of summer 2020. So COVID is in full swing and my kids have been home for months. Um, So I am ministering to them and I have six of them, um, 22 down to eight and a husband who's also working from home right now. So I um, that takes up a lot of my time, but I'm blessed to be able to work from home, which at this time is absolutely a gift. Um, and I work for the Avila Foundation, mm-hmm. um, doing a lot of writing that comes out of the foundation, but primarily as editor on their website, spiritualdirection.com, which I think you mentioned Um, Mm -hmm. And so I edit a lot of wonderful work from different authors, and I also contribute um, a lot of my own words um, and uh, work with some fantastic people uh, there at the foundation. And then I also have a smaller ministry um, at my own parish, which is where I met you and Bishop Gilmore at St. Thomas the Apostle with the women there doing um, a study group. And uh, we're on hiatus right now, but on most Monday mornings during the year, we dive into the teachings of the church, uh, church documents or lives of the saints. And I lead that group and it's just very life-giving and wonderful. Um, and then I write on my own. I, I do, like you said uh, in the intro, I have a blog, eventhesparrow.com, which is where I got started writing and mm-hmm. where um I can still be found yes. when I have time. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so what I hear is writing energizes you. I know you had Sherry Waddell on as your first, I believe, guest mm-hmm. on this series. And Correct. that was really, um, reading her work was really impactful for me because it made me recognize that one of my primary charisms is writing. Mm-hmm. And so I feel a responsibility to really use that and develop it. And so I try... As much as life and time allows, I try to 
uh, to write. And God has provided the way for me to do that, even through the work that he gives me, because he's so good like that. I mean, he doesn't give us a gift and then not give us the opportunity to use it. So <laughs> correct. as much as I can, I try to use that. So Claire, how did the wonder of grace first enter your life? Like when was the spiritual, your, your spiritual awareness? Well, I was blessed to be raised in a very Catholic home and not just Catholic in the sense that we went through the motions of being Catholic, but that my parents really embraced all the teachings of the church, um, and were, went through, um, a baptism of the Holy Spirit themselves and were part of the charismatic renewal a little bit when I was uh, probably a very young teenager, mm-hmm. which kind of even upped the spirituality in my home, definitely even more. Mm-hmm. And I really absorbed that. I mean, I was, uh, my personality and just through God's grace, I never wandered far from that kind of wellspring that my parents, um, provided us kids Mm -hmm. and, uh, they were, um, interested in learning more about the faith. So the beautiful thing was our home was filled with books about (laughs) the Catholic faith. And because I'm an avid reader, which I think comes along with the writing, um, I devoured everything I could find. And I remembered (laughs) one day looking up at the bookshelf and seeing a little book up there that I hadn't noticed before, and it was called Let the Fire Fall mm-hmm. by Father Michael Scanlon. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that they had come across that somehow through their, you know, involvement in the charismatic renewal because Father Michael Scanlon, for those who don't know, was the president of Franciscan University of Steubenville for decades um, mm-hmm. and was the, responsible for really transforming that college at the time into this thriving university with this really deep Catholic identity and and a very strong charismatic presence. Um, And so I read that book and it is the story of his own conversion, Mm -hmm. his own encounter with Christ Mm -hmm. and his acceptance of the Holy Spirit into his own life and the transformative power that that had on him and then kind of the story behind the university. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's really good. And I read that as a young, uh, I guess I was a high school student. And so I won't say that that was a conversion or anything, but it was really a deepening, uh, a deepening of my own interiority. And I, I realized at that time that the bottomless depths of our faith and the Holy Spirit really mm-hmm. came alive for me. So I wanted to go to Franciscan University after reading that book. And, uh, and then visiting it just like sealed the deal because I thought I'd always been a misfit in my own life because when you're raised with a really devout Catholic family, mm-hmm. um, and then you go out in the world, you realize like, wow, you know, <laughs> everybody else isn't quite living this way. And, um, and so I always felt kind of odd and awkward And then I went to a place where the gospel was being so fully lived that I, I just came alive. I was like, this, these are my people, you know? Mm. So I, I dove into those four years there with everything I had. I took, uh, I started taking a class with Scott Hahn as a freshman, which I wasn't Mm -hmm. supposed to get into that class. You know, there's no accidents with God. And so I sat in that class and I thought, 
um, I think I'm going to become a theology major because I want as much of this as I can get. And so I was a theology major and I just took full advantage of, of what the university had to offer to deepen my understanding of the faith that God had given me. I met my husband there as well. And so, uh, right after graduation, we were married and, uh, and that was kind of, you know, between my upbringing and then my own experience at Franciscan University, God really formed me. Um, and by his grace, I was receptive and, and responsive to that. Thank you, Claire. It's as if God kept you close to him from the beginning of your life. Which saint, saints led you to a deeper relationship with God? Well, I have always loved St. Francis and St. Clair, probably not surprisingly, that my name was, you know, my parents chose my name intentionally because they had a very Franciscan charism Mm -hmm. uh, in their own life and lived very simply intentionally. Um, So I always had a close affinity for St. Francis and St. Clair. My husband, his patron saint is St. Francis, which we found funny when we found each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we met at Franciscan University. St. Edith Stein is a mentor for me in so many levels. Um, She's way more intellectual than I am, but (laughs) she, uh, she's just a a beautiful Carmelite um, with the depth of understanding of just humanism. And that's really shaped me um, you mentioned St. Elizabeth of the Trinity, which if you, if you do see my writing on spiritualdirection.com, you'll see that I've been doing a lot of writing about her because I'm working on a book about, uh, a, a book of reflections from her life. And she is just, for those that haven't encountered St. Elizabeth of the Trinity sooner or later, whether it's through my writing or somebody else, you will get to know her because she is just kind of this saint that God has raised up for these times Mm -hmm. she just canonized a few years ago by pope francis although she died in 1906 Mm -hmm. so um it took a while for the church to kind of canonize her but she is a remarkable saint who uh was a young french carmelite not unlike saint therese of Lisieux. in fact she was one of the first who encountered the autobiography of saint therese and really fell in love with her only a year after she died. Mm -hmm. So in France, the Carmelites, um, they were sent, you know, the story of a soul and they were the first ones to hear about the life of St. Therese. And so in her own convent, the nuns just devoured the story of a soul and really made it their own. So she was a, she was a friend of St. Therese's, even though they never met in person. Mm-hmm. But anyway, her spirituality was really similar to St. Therese, but even more than St. Therese, she wrote a lot of letters and even retreats for um, for lay people in the world. And through her writing, she encouraged them with the idea that they could have the same depths of the prayer life and spirituality that she had in the convent, which was a totally different and novel idea at the time. Right. Remember this was before Vatican II and before that language about like universal call to holiness and the sanctification of the laity. These things were not like part of the language of the time. Mm-hmm. Everyone really felt like you were either a nun and a pre or a priest and you had this high call to holiness or you were just a regular person and you know you kind of maybe made your way to heaven. Right. But that this idea that you could be called to 
union with God and the heights of prayer, Mm -hmm. that was not, you know, widely um, accepted. But she believed that everybody could have which the depth of experience of God's love that she had. And she encouraged those people out in the world to really begin to pray and sit at the Lord's feet and know that he had so much more for them than maybe they realized. Um, so she was kind of a prophet, I think for prayer. She's been called that a prophet of prayer. And when I encountered her, I just thought, wow, this is the real key to understanding the tie between the contemplative life and my active life Mm -hmm. in the world, you know, with my family and with my job and with my neighbors. And, and, uh, you know, I say, I've said before, she's kind of like the bridge between the cloister and the kitchen. (laughs) And uh, I just, I loved it. When I met her, I thought this is like the best of St. Therese Mm -hmm. joined with this idea of like the sanctification of the lady. Right. So she changed your, has she changed your prayer life? So that, uh, how do you describe that then? Well, she probably has, although I may not be aware of it, because I think when we take the saints as our friends, they do more for us than we realize. Mm -hmm. I think, honestly, more than changing my prayer life, she probably just, um, she was probably a confirmation of what I was already experiencing if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So when I was reading her and reading um, her letters to her sister, who was a mom and her friends and what she was calling them to, I mean, this is really something I'd always felt called to. And so hearing the saints, you know, speaking about it was a confirmation that I was on the right path. Uh Um, And it was also just an encouragement for me to be that for other people, you know, to say, you can have this, you can, you can know the Lord with this intimacy Mm -hmm. that you desire, that he really is for you and that God has um, a desire for you, the same that you have for him and that you can know him and encounter him in prayer. um, Like you maybe don't even realize how did you encounter her? How did she encounter you, more likely? You know, I, it's true what you you just said something profound there, because I think the saints do find us. We think we find them, and they really do find us. Um, well, she found me, if we're going to put it that way, in my classes at the Avila Institute, which um, I didn't mention, but I am in the graduate program at the Avila Institute, which is part of the foundation that I work for. Mm-hmm. And that was my first kind of experience with them. I began taking classes. And in one of the classes on, on uh, prayer and mm-hmm. Christian mysticism, we, were, we read her collected works. Okay. And I remember being in the backyard, pushing my kids on the swing and reading for the class, which is how I had to do it. I had to multitask. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember just having this lightning bolt moment where I, I had to put the book aside because it was at that moment that I realized the profound connection between that Carmelite spirituality mm-hmm. that I loved, you know, in St. Therese and St. Edith Stein that I had already encountered. Mm-hmm. And so in that the, way, the, which words then popped out to you? Were there any words or phrases 
that uh, well you know it wasn't even so much in it was a it was in reading a commentary on her life at the beginning of that book where they were talking about her connection to the laity and mm-hmm. that she was kind of um she was a prophet in the sense that she, you know, preceded Vatican II, mm-hmm. um, and she never would have known what she was doing, but she anticipated that message in Lumen Gentium, mm-hmm. chapter five, where the church is elevating this teaching for us that every Christian mm-hmm. is destined to the heights of holiness, and we were created for that. Um, but this is kind of, you know, like I said before, this is kind of new understanding um, in our time mm-hmm. for the average Christian. But she, she, for her, it was a given. You know, like St. Therese, she, you know, lived most of her adult life um, in the convent. Although um, Part of the beauty, uh, the beautiful story of her vocation is that she wanted to enter the convent uh, very young, probably when she wasn't much older than when St. Therese entered at 15. Mm-hmm. But her mother said no. Remember that, yes. Yeah, and so for years, even though she was still very young, but her, her she knew she had a vocation, and it, and it wasn't until she was... I think 18 that her mother said she could enter, but that she had to wait till she was 21. Mm -hmm. She was either 18 or 19. Her mother said, okay, you can enter. I can tell that you have a vocation, Mm -hmm. but you have to wait till you're 21. I think secretly she was hoping that Elizabeth (laughs) would change her mind in those years. Okay, Claire, besides being graced, what was she really like in the world? You know, she was a concert pianist and she, uh, you know, traveled extensively, And she lived a very full life out in the world, even though her heart was in Carmel. Mm -hmm. And what she had to discover for herself was that the Lord, she was a Carmelite in her heart first, Mm -hmm. that God knew that, Mm -hmm. and that she could live that way while living in the world. Because um, God allowed her to have those years of waiting and longing and eventually being resigned to his will, whatever that was, he taught her something in those years. He taught her that it didn't matter if she was behind the walls of a cloister or if she was, you know, at a party, Mm -hmm. she could still experience the intimacy with him that she desired. And that those, the walls of the cloister were to keep the nuns in, but that it was not necessary for God that we go behind, you know, mm-hmm. that we go within a convent to find him there, that he was just as much in the world and that we could experience him in prayer. So the gift to us in those years was that she had to learn that. And then when she entered the convent, she could fill her writings with that wisdom mm-hmm. that she had gained, not only as a nun, but as a lay woman in the world waiting to enter. Yeah. So she had the advantage then of worldly experiences, and she brought that into her heart and then decided to reflect on that as in written form. That's a grace. It was a total grace. It was a grace of God that I don't, I, 
I mean, when I heard her story, I thought, oh, God, you are so good. Mm-hmm. Because he really, he, he, he made a delay in her life. I mean, how often in our life do we pray for something? Do we desire something? Do we feel like, God, I really think this is your will. Mm-hmm. And then we, we see it not happen. And we see these obstacles and we see, you know, what looks like, um, um, is this a mistake? Like, am I wrong? Did I hear you wrong, Lord? And what it is, is it's his timing, right? It's, mm-hmm. it, it was a delay that he allowed. It was absolutely necessary for her own sanctification because mm-hmm. what she learned in the delay was that what was most important was not her vocation. It was the will of God. Right. Her vocation is our, all of our vocations is just to follow God's will. So she thought, well, I thought I heard the Lord calling me to the convent. I don't know. I mean, there's people that maybe think they feel called to marriage and they, they wonder, am I hearing God right? Like, where's this person? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, definitely. Yeah. Right. But it's because God has another plan. He was teaching us even more than that. Mm -hmm. Your vocation is to follow my will. She had to learn that the will of God for her at that time was not the convent and to accept that. Um, and of course he did in the end, open those doors. And, and so that's the gift to us. It was like, God was, God was working that in her life for our sake Mm -hmm. because he was teaching her something that then she could teach us when she finally entered. So wonderful reflection. Um, when you started to find out more about her or she find it, she started to find out more about you and you were praying with her together what virtues then did she teach you personally she has helped me develop my own um charism of writing and i really feel like as i'm writing this book we're writing it together Mm -hmm. um and it's funny too because she was a musician her mother really had her spend most of her time studying music her mother always thought she would be a piano teacher and she was an award-winning musician Mm -hmm. so that she didn't actually um have much of an education she wasn't a good writer herself even though she wrote a lot of letters that are beautiful but like she spelled things wrong all the time (laughs) that's Um, perfect (laughs) so it's just funny like the two of us i feel like she's over my shoulder like you know, helping me in my own, um, discover my own gifts. And I thankful to God that the first book that I've been able to work with, and I don't know if there'll be others, but at least for now, this book that I'm working on, I'm doing it with her. And so, um, she is just kind of helping me discover myself, I think, which is the beautiful thing about the saints Mm -hmm. is that they not only, through their own lives, right? Like reading about the saints and um, developing a relationship with them in our prayer lives Mm -hmm. is inspiring because we learn through their lives. um, We learn about them and learn about God. Mm -hmm. But if we really are open to it, they will also reveal to us ourselves. What happens then when you are struggling in prayer or when you're struggling in, in this world, because we all are, especially right now, there's anxiety. Um, How does she help you in this way? So the story of St. Elizabeth is beautiful. If you just read her writings, you would never know this. But shortly after she entered the convent, which she had been desiring for so long, and she entered and it was all, you know, rainbows and happy times for a few months. Mm -hmm. And then she entered um, a period of aridity, which um, 
is a term that we can use to describe times when prayer feels very, very dry. And we kind of feel like nothing is happening. Is God even hearing me? Is this working anymore? I don't know. know, (laughs) uh, And after that, she even entered a very dark period, which we would call a dark night, uh, where not only does it feel dry, but it doesn't even feel like the Lord is there. Right. And is it like an absence? It's not, of course, but um, she definitely had that experience. And so it wasn't so much from her writings, but for me through reading about her life and knowing that she experienced that and that she was faithful through it right. was a just a very convicting, beautiful message for me and for everybody to just be faithful. So Claire, what grace did you learn from her? The grace is that the Lord is allowing us to mature in our faith so that we love him for him alone and not for the, you know, the feelings we get Mm -hmm. when we draw near to him. And in the good times and in the bad times, just keep showing up for prayer, knowing um, those times never last forever. God is too good for that, unless your mother Teresa, <laughs> when she had a very special charism, we should not expect to have, you know, right. days of darkness. But just to know that that's not unusual and that it's not only common, it's actually kind of a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as there's some other things present in our life, like that we really desire, you know, God and, and the things of, of, of God. Right. Um, but to, to expect that, you know, those consolations aren't always going to be there and that actually it could be an invitation from God to really just lean on him for him for his sake alone. Presently, Claire is writing a book on St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. So here's a little bit about it. It will be called, uh-huh. God willing, This uh-huh. Present Paradise. Okay. Um, it's a real pillar of her spirituality that... You know, the Christian definition of hope is that what we hope for in heaven, mm-hmm. uh, we already possess in not in its fulfillment, but we possess the beginnings of it even on earth. And so this union with God, which is really what heaven is, is something that's attainable even in the world that God wants us to know him in a kind of a pre cursory way to what, how we'll know him in heaven. And so that's why I chose this present paradise. Okay. Um, as the title, because really on earth, we can begin to experience um, what we will know in its fullness when we get to the beatific vision in heaven. Right. And I think we also see that as um, for the present moment, we also have to see that we're also living on this earth. And even though things look anxious around us, we are still looking at it with hope. Exactly. I'm so glad you said that because the times now can seem really dark um, I'll just say this really briefly. In Elizabeth's time, the church in France was under incredible persecution, not mm-hmm. as bad as like the French Revolution, but at the turn of the century, the French government was anti-Catholic mm-hmm. and they were closing down convents and they were um, and schools. Um, they were confiscating church property. St. Elizabeth's convent had already secured a home in Belgium in case they were going to be forced to leave. She wrote a letter to her mother asking for a skirt pattern because she needed to make clothes like street clothes. Mm. Because if they were going to leave, it would they wouldn't be safe like in their habits. Right. And they were like literally ready um, to leave if they had to. Mm. So she lived in a really dark time. They were not oblivious to the fact that they could even be called to be martyrs. And... 
you know, we might not be martyrs in the sense that we'll shed blood, but boy, you know, we are called to die to ourselves in a way. I think that, um, we maybe didn't anticipate even just a few years ago as Catholics, as Christians. Uh, so it's really, um, the, you know, her invitation Mm -hmm. to, despite all of the things happening in the world to still draw near to God Mm -hmm. and, um, seek intimacy with him. And then there's the peace that comes from that, that allows us to, you know, really be light in the darkness so she's a role model, and she's not just a role model only to women, but she is a role model to all of us, correct? Oh, absolutely. And like St. Therese, she had um, she, she wrote to seminarians. She had one. Her sister was married to a man whose brother was in seminary, and she also wrote, St. Elizabeth wrote letters to a missionary, just like St. Therese did, kind of adopted a missionary. Mm-hmm. So she was a spiritual mother to um, priests, Mm-hmm. And I wrote about that in one of the sections of the book that um, she, you know, really invites all of us to to pray for priests. And she was an inspiration to to everybody. There were priests that <laughs> said at the time that she really broke open scripture for them because in France, it really wasn't at that time. People didn't read the Bible like we do now, like we could start from the beginning and you know, those classes I took at Franciscan where we learned about exegesis and really breaking open scripture. They did not have that. Mm-hmm, of course. Yes. Um, but she just had this instinctive way of like breaking open scripture in her writing. And um, even priests said that like they learned so much from her. So, yes, she's definitely somebody um, that has a universal appeal. Oh, that's beautiful. Hey, Claire, we can't wait for your book to come out. It's called This Present Paradise. We're going to be praying for you for the next months that you remain creative and inspired um, and that you are able to balance everything. Thank you. I need it. You know, I was telling you before we started recording, this <laughs> book is due in a month, so. Oh. <laughs> is it a month from today? I think it might be a month from today. I, I mean, I really need prayer, so I will take that. I claim it, and I thank you for that. Well, friends, we've come to the end of our podcast. I want to thank my friend, Claire Dwyer, for joining us at the Electric Eel series. If this podcast recording has made an impact in your life, please consider donating to our ministry at www.gracethatreigns.com. Goodbye, everyone.